0: folks XQ quality better than HQ but no one knows what the X stands for except for're extremely good here we go Welcome to episode two hundred and sixteen of Channel Massive. I'm Noah.
1: My name is Mark. Sent here from beyond time to inflict pain and anguish upon my fellow gamers.
0: Have you crossed oceans of time?
1: I've crossed oceans of time for your love and <laughs> blood. I taught my son to say that because he was trying to he wanted to be a vampire for Halloween, but we were afraid <laughs> he'd scare the other kids. So I told I told him to say that he he got it right. It was really funny.
0: <laughs> that he, he,
1: now he's just kind of changed it to just he goes good evening, and it's like kind of creepy because he sneaks up on you and does it. <laughs> I like it.
0: Man, I can't believe Halloween is coming up. This year's gone by so fast.
1: Now do you have a new costume ready?
0: <laughs> I don't, but I've been inspired. By seeing all those costumes that we did see. How could at you Con. not
1: be? I think I want to go to Dragon Con next year, and I think I want to have a costume.
0: Ooh, so, do you want to go to Dragon Con and PAX? That's the question. Will you be able to do both?
1: I do want to do both. I haven't talked to my, my wife, also known as my Grim Overlord, yet, but <laughs> I would like to do both.
0: If that would be the case. You'd be going to the Boston PAX.
1: That'd be cool.
0: Boston PAX. Boston, Boston. PAX
1: i going to need to pop a laugh there, Mikey.
0: So, as you can hear, listeners, it's just the two of us recording. Just the two of us. Wait, uh, wait, I, wait. I was totally <laughs> in my mind, but I wasn't going to verbalize it. But you went there. Reliably. you
1: and I. Oh, that was totally off pitch. We're going to oh. have
0: a great show, we think. <laughs>
1: well, It depends. Mark sings horribly, which is the only way he does sing. Things can never be off to a good start,
0: but we'll try. <laughs> We're gonna have a traditional episode for you, with the, I think that was our that may have been our our last mention of DragonCon, and <laughs> since yeah, our last three sure. episodes did yeah. center on that.
1: But wait, there's more about DragonCon. Just kidding.
0: Yeah, we are gonna actually have a nice intro because there's been so much news in the last week. Lots of really big stuff. And then we'll – we we have a, a, an email that just cracked us up during the last week and our oh, listening yeah, feedback. Absolutely. And Mark has an epic tale of games to tell you about f- during what we're playing. General Geekery, we've got a, a couple things that – well, actually a few things that we want to freak out about. And then for the roundtable discussion, just in case you think we're leaving it out of introgeton, and we're going to talk about all of the big BioWare news from the last week because, wow – just some big goings on there, but yeah, first, no intro We got some financial stuff up front. Were you, are you a fan of Obsidian, Mark?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was pretty stoked to. I, I I think they're they're quite actually the multitaskers that they're working on this big South Park RPG right now, and they're also working on freaking Wheel of Time, a game for that. Oh, I
1: know. I can't believe that.
0: And then it's like they didn't have enough to do or they just really didn't want to work on something licensed. And so they started up a Kickstarter campaign for a unique top-down three-quarter view RPG, kind of in the vein of the old Baldur's Gate games called Eternity.
1: And it looks like it's for real, like co-op. It's like Baldur's Gate co-op, right? Yeah. If you can can conceive of such a thing. Um, Sounds pretty cool. And I, I've been I've always been really happy with their games. Um so I I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I, there are so many cool things that are on the Kickstarter docket that I just can't I Wasteland really,
1: 3, I mean I, Wasteland
0: 2 to see all these start to come to fruition and see if any of them actually don't come to fruition. It's just there are so many games it's not like there's this one big game that's coming from Kickstarter. It's there's like tons of them from all different types of genres. Yeah. And, I, I that they're promising such crazy delivery dates because what Obsidian here is supposed to be ready by next year. Oh yeah, it's just super fast and a lot of these games that are Kickstartered, if that's that's not a verb, but I just made a <laughs>
1: word kickstarted. That sounds like what happens when you drink moonshine, man. <laughs> the Jed's all kickstarted over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but with. With a, uh, uh, so many of these Kickstarter games are promising really fast turnaround times, and if we get those, I- I'm going to just be in heaven. There's going to be so many more great games to play. That a lot of them, like Eternity included here, I think, are that you're able to get a copy of the game for just contributing thirty bucks, which is right. a budget price, really.
1: Totally, it, yeah. And it's going to be you know the same quality. Who knows, because it's a passion, it might be something really, you know, beyond just the normal kind of... I mean, we haven't seen the fruition of these Kickstarter games really yet, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, it could be that some of them could just set the bar so high because they're not having to work within the normal constraints of, uh, of you know, a release cycle and everything. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens.
0: Definitely. And another good financial news, Sony claims that it will be profitable. The game unit specifically will be profitable this year, finally after i don't know what six seven years of <laughs> incredible failure- financial failure yeah the p s three is is now slated to Well, the support for the p s three from Sony is slated to now continue all the way to two thousand and fifteen, making it let's see geez a nine year lifespan for this console it's kind of like implying with this new, even slimmer version of the PS3 that's releasing next week.
1: We're going to have, like, fission-powered cars when that thing's replaced, finally. No kidding!
0: And it just kind of implies well, we have no console around the corner. We have no console on new console launching next year, which so many analysts and yeah. media outlets are predicting that both the new Xbox and the new PlayStation will be coming out next year. But on the other hand, great exclusive games continue to be added to Sony's release list from stuff that's downloadable such as that's The Uncharted I just saw a trailer for a game called Puppeteer that looks really cool. Then there's that awesome Last of Us game coming from the Uncharted folks.
1: Oh yeah.
0: There's definitely going to be some must-have titles, at least in the next year. After that, I don't know. They, Sony claims there's going to be the full support all the way through the next three years, but I'm a little skeptical of this. Are you?
1: Yeah, you know, I am I just, it seems so counter. I mean, you know, um, Nintendo's come out with the Wii U thing. Um, you know, we know Xbox, uh, whatever it's going to be called, is going to be out fairly soon. And they're just kind of like hedging their bets with this. Um, but who knows? You know, they've been wrong so many times recently that maybe it's time for them to be right about something. <laughs> that sounds really rude. But when you think about like the disaster with their their, you know, their network um, you know, being hacked repeatedly and yeah. And them kind of knowing that that was a huge vulnerability just hanging out there and you know, just kind of like hoping for the best is unrealistic as that was and it just seems like like optimism is unbridled there. There's a lot of Kool-Aid drinking and <laughs> And, and maybe they should, you know, really pull their heads out of the sand and take a look around because it – I don't know. I hope I hope they are pro- – I don't want to see anybody, you know, in the game industry, like, not be successful. And really the only reason I didn't get a PlayStation 3 was just because, you know, I, I – well, just limitation of my time, you know. I had just about enough time to keep up with PC gaming and an Xbox. Yeah. Um You know, we already had a Nintendo Wii, and we have a we have a PS One, but we never got the two. It's just you know, it gets expensive and time consuming. Um, And the the titles that they do have that are exclusive, while they are really good, there's just so many darn darn games to play. I just could never justify it. Um, So I don't know. It's I hope I hope they are I hope their plans do do work out. Um, But we will see. I'm skeptical. Because it's easy to
0: be skeptical. Well, and I'd be happy, actually, if the system continued to be fully supported for the next few years since I did just get mine last year. Mm-hmm. And what's good, good about point. my investment, though, is that I, I don't regret it because I've played already many, well, at least You've clocked yeah, a lot
1: of time. Yeah, great That's exclusives,
0: true. And there's more to come. So it's like, all right, I got in at the right time and I, I'm happy with it. And if it's going to keep, cranking like this, all right, that's cool. I'm happy to support it because there are some freaking great games that are exclusive to the PS3. However, with the exception of the upcoming Resident Evil 6, which comes out in a couple weeks, it's still not my port system. You know, the the system that I'm going to play games on that are available on PC and and other consoles, 360 remains my port system. The only thing that that drove me away from 360 for Resident Evil is that the freaking special edition of Resident Evil 6, the Xbox 360 version comes with Resident Evil 4 and 5 and Code Veronica, which is a full console spin-off game that came from the on the Dreamcast era, whereas the PlayStation 3 version comes with Resident Evil 1 through 5, like 5, the original 5 games.
1: Oh jeez.
0: Mathematically 3 versus 5, as much as I'd like to play Code Veronica, push me in the PS3 land.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It's a simple decision. <laughs>
0: Now, do you think it'll be a simple decision for Funcom to go free-to-play with Secret World?
1: Well, I do, but I've, I thought that's what they should have done is, you know, let it run its course as a subscription game for six months and then go free-to-play. I think, you know, it sounds like from what their new president and CEO has said that, um, whose name escapes me right now, but it sounds like from what he's saying, they, oh, holy, holy sh. Well, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> um, Mr.
0: Schreiner
1: <laughs> um, says that you know, if they had decided from the beginning to make it um, free-to-play, they would have made some different decisions along the way, but the decision was to go subscription, and they stuck with it. So it does sound like there's going to be some you know they'd, they'd have to put some thought into it. They can't. They didn't have an ultimate plan, which I had suspected to, you know, change it to free to play after six months or so. So they do have to put some work into it to change it. But it is profitable now with the, you know, obviously due to employee cuts that that would make it profitable. But I think they should go free to play, and it sounds like he's thinking about it. Um, I just think it would be. I, I just think people are making that model work gets more people playing the game, um, and that can't ever be a bad thing. Um, as long as they, you know, figure out how to keep it profitable with the subscription model, though, maybe they'll see how long they can go till they hit some kind of a wall, you know. Um, I don't imagine that this particular expansion of World of Warcraft is going to steal a bunch of people away from them, but I <laughs> could be wrong. What?
0: <laughs> yeah. Heresy. Burn him. But something that could steal away fr- people from both Blizzard games and FunCon games could be Torchlight 2, which has finally come out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And to, to stellar reviews across the board. I, Glowing. Yeah.
1: I would call them supernovas.
0: One review, and I can't remember which one it was, unfortunately, Mark, but one review that stuck out to me was that it, it said... I think it was actually Kotaku's review. It said that Torchlight 1 was like a refined version of Diablo 1, whereas Torchlight 2 is like a refined version of Diablo 2. (laughs) And just knowing how much you really enjoyed Diablo 2 and how Diablo 3 wasn't everything that you were hoping for from a Diablo 2 fanboy point of view, it's like, wow, Torchlight 2 could be like the perfect crack for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what it's all about unfortunately i bought it a long time ago i never did the thing where i created my account with runic though and so it released today at 10 a.m pacific i think and i went to download it and their servers are so slammed you can't actually click the download link until you've created a runic account and you can't create a runic account because they're Basically, the entire player base is denial of servicing them right now inadvertently, oh, <laughs> so they're buckling under that load. So I don't know what the gameplay is actually like, although you know, there's obviously a web server and the game servers are two totally different things with nothing to do with one another except for maybe some kind of you know connection to keep track of accounts. But um, yeah, it's I, I I've been thwarted all day, so I'm gonna have to wait till like you know midnight tonight or something to. Actually get in and create my account when the user load is lighter, but I'm really looking forward to trying it out.
0: Yeah, I'm eager to hear what your your feel is on it, and I'm hoping that some of our gamer friends get into this yeah. game as they've gotten into so many other big releases that have come out this yeah. year, from Secret World to Diablo three to I'm just, some some folks are playing Guild Wars two, yep. so Torchlight two. I hope that it happens. I'm sure that it will. But what may not happen is an MMO, which was previously rumored to be coming from Runic, uh, an MMO set in the Torchlight universe, which at this point seems more optimistic than Runic is willing to confer at this point because after cranking out Torchlight 2, which I think people had hoped it was going to come out earlier this year, and then it was like this nebulous summer period, and now it's basically coming come out at the beginning of fall I think they've been kind of working themselves into burnout mode because what let's see runic games co-founder co-founder Eric Schaefer and Mark Schaefer Max Schaefer have said are that during an ask me anything session on reddit they've said like well we just really want to take a vacation (laughs) and Specifically, uh, Travis Baldry is another one of the co-founders said, the the landscape is a little different than a few years ago, and creating the amount of content we did for Torchlight 2 was a supreme effort with a team this size. Taking on an MMO immediately afterward is not our current designer. And Leffler added, Renix Marsh Leffler, who I'm not sure who that is, he said, I will say our next project probably won't be another Torchlight or a Torchlight MMO. We really need to take a break. Quite a few of us have been doing action RPGs in the style of Diablo for seven years, while Travis has been doing it for probably close to 10 years. And let's not even talk about Max and Eric 15-plus years. Something slightly different would be nice. We still have (laughs) RPGs, especially action ones.
1: That's funny. Something slightly different would be nice. That's great.
0: I'll be intrigued to see if they actually, after they take a break, they're like, you know what, we love our baby. It's gotten glowing reviews across the board. Yeah, let's do another Torchlight.
1: Let's do it. Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. I bet they will, too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So, um, Noah, I guess there's this really cool site um, for gamers to uh, provide dating tips and dating. Uh. Um,
0: <laughs> and shagging. <laughs> and shagging.
1: Yeah, I didn't know if you'd heard of it, but, you know, since you're single, I just maybe And
0: I'm just all over check. any type of sex scene that I can get into. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: you know, that there's that too.
0: Obviously, because single people do that.
1: <laughs> propensity to, you know, go to a dating sites. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm glad that we have this story to talk about because I mentioned previously, I don't remember what the context was anymore, but it was something like, what if we had a whole bunch of money, what would we do with it? And I said that I would like to start up a good gamer dating site because I don't feel that anybody out there has done a good job of that. And I feel like there's a substantial portion of people prejudiced against gaming on regular dating sites. So why not just cut all that bullshit out and make like a really you good gaming site?
1: It looks like you don't need to. It's been done.
0: It, yeah, it already exists <laughs> in England at least. So maybe there's yeah. still an option over here. There's both data gamer and shag gamer, which are both UK websites up, that have these, Awful promotional videos and text, and it's apparently founded by a gamer earlier this year. It was founded in July, but there's this this hilarious and superbly well-written expose about how Shaggy Gamer is just basically a farce written on pcgamesin.com back from early August.
1: I, I can vouch for that. I read it, too, and the guy's really hilarious.
0: Oh my gosh! Just some of the colorful metaphors that are used alone are hilarious. Yeah. But he went through this whole research experience where he first made a free account, and then he was just totally spammed by all these chicks with totally generic bimbo names that nobody in the real world has, like, and they're all saying like the same. They're like
1: ones. exotic dancer names, basically.
0: Yeah, totally. And so he's like, "All right, fine." So I'll- cliche. And if you actually want to talk to them, of course, you have to subscribe because that's right. Rick, it's 20 bucks a month or 20 pounds a month. And so he subscribes, and then he finds out that it's all just pure window dressing, that some dude has taken a really generic white label dating software platform and just slapped a gamer skin on it. And actually everybody that's inside the actual community, once you jump through the registration and subscription hoop, is just people looking for sex. They're not gamers at all. They're just yeah, generic.
1: And I wasn't sure. Did he mentioned you know a lot of stuff about robots? Are the are the 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 texts that come unsolicited? Are they like just you know like canned solicitations sort of that aren't from real people?
0: I think so. I think they're all just tricks. And
1: then and then if you reply, it gets routed to some hooker somewhere. <laughs> or, or, I mean, like, oh, here, we have someone interested in seeing your boobies on a webcam. Please provide that service for – but we'll get his credit card info. Don't worry. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it sounds really shady, and it sounds like – you know, for somebody that was actually really like feeling what you were describing, where you're like, oh, I'm a gamer, and you know, when you when you're out meeting people and you you identify yourself as that, it's usually like kind of the end of the date. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah. Oh, look, somebody's calling me on my cell phone. <laughs> oh, it's an emergency. Little Timmy's in the well. I'll be back. Um, so, but if you're like serious about it. And no, and like every example listed, they, he would like say, Oh, I'm into Pokemon or something. And they'd be like, what, huh? Yeah. Like, so it's supposed to be a gamer site and it's not working.
0: Which is a real shame because I definitely think there's a market out there for something like this that's done well. And I've seen some ads just occasionally banner ads and stuff like that. I haven't fall through and clicking them of other websites, but It's just like, come on, there's millions of people out there who love to play video games. Why can't we make this work? And it's, of course, the scuzziest and easiest ways in are, unfortunately, proliferating. So, ultimate verdict, if you live in the UK, don't go to that website. Data gamer or shaggy gamer. Unless you want to laugh at the horrible videos and see these lifeless, actually not very attractive girls, like, monotonely... Read monologues about I can talk about my kill death Ratio all day long Oh yeah they didn't even make
1: sense If you (laughs) think I'm high maintenance You obviously haven't played Diablo 3 What?
0: What? (laughs) Such sad bullshit Yeah But moving that aside and looking into the future Of where things could go for gaming Not for romance (laughs) I was really excited to see a rumor well actually I guess it's it's concrete but it's not how it's going to solidify isn't clear but apparently studio Luver, Liverpool w- which was formerly Segnosis and
1: oh kind of became
0: yeah. Sony's bitch when it was bought out and just made wipeout <laughs> game after wipeout game which m- many of them were very good. well apparently they, they still live on I guess after being shut down by Sony the other week they put an update on their Facebook and Twitter pages saying that they're alive. And they posted an image that looks like a Wipeout game. So fingers crossed that they just decided, you know what? Yeah, we may have been shut down by Sony, but we're going to scrape together something to still survive and continue on because we've got a great team. And And shoot, like so many UK studios have been getting shut down anyways.
1: Oh, I know. And I remember you you showed me Wipeout years ago, and I I had no idea what it was. And I was like, oh, my God, that's actually really cool, the way it models all that. Because I don't know, there's a – Part of all humans that like to watch, like, the play of, like, physics when things go wrong. Like, you like to watch a slow-motion car wreck. You Oh, yeah. You hate to admit it, but you do. And, like, the doors flying off, the little ragdoll bodies flying around. I mean, it's like there's something about it that's kind of aesthetically pleasing, and they do it better than anyone, right? I mean... Yeah. I don't know. It's just... And then Psygnosis, I mean, they were like a pioneer for like Amiga games and stuff back in the day, and I wish they would do something besides Wipeout. Like, it's cool they do Wipeout, but they should do something else too. They were so talented. So that's really good news, because we... What was it, six months ago? It was announced they were... Or not even that, weeks ago, it was announced that they'd closed down Liverpool Studios, and we were bummed, right?
0: Yeah. That's a bummer. But hopefully... Things will turn around, and they'll still continue and do something. It probably won't be called Wipeout. It'll be called something else, but it'll certainly be great.
1: Well, speaking of rising like a phoenix from the ashes, (laughs) Microsoft is talking about renewing Killer Instinct, at least the trademark.
0: God, I love that game. I was wondering, did you play it too?
1: Yeah. um, So when Killer Instinct was out, um, as I recall, I was working at Software Etc., which was like what GameSpot eventually became or yeah. GameStop, yeah. <laughs> not GameSpot. <laughs> GameStop. And uh and so that was like on one of our demo systems. Um and and I just couldn't get enough of it. It was so cool. It was an awesome game. I think it was an SNES game, right?
0: Uh, was I think it, it was, was it, No, no. Nintendo 64?
1: Yeah, that's right. God, I think it was. I don't know. Or maybe it was a um PS1 game? God, I'll have to look it up now. I feel like it totally... It was
0: definitely a Nintendo exclusive because it was made by Rare. Nintendo oh, okay. Rare. Must, must have been. Yeah.
1: I but, just remember loving that game.
0: Yeah, and Rare Rare would tease people for years saying, oh, we, Killer Instinct. We haven't forgot about it. We'd love to work ah, on it again.
1: Super Nintendo.
0: All right, yeah. I think there was one on, on both systems, the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo 64.
1: Yeah, yeah it's,
0: Killer it's, Instinct 2. Or and then instinct.
1: Nintendo 64 and Game Boy. But, oh, yeah. I loved that game.
0: It's... So, fingers crossed, but the trademark is weird because the trademark specifies online video games. So could you imagine what an online Killer Instinct would be like? Like Fury, maybe? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So it yeah. could really
0: go either way. I mean, what if it were like a Killer Instinct Facebook game? <laughs> That'd be awful. <laughs> I doubt it would be like that. <laughs> but microsoft is also not only doing curious games related stuff they're even strengthening their intentions to be more of a true media company and hired a former cbs tv executive to head up a group of people to start making even more original video content let's see it's quote interactive and linear content for xbox and other devices
1: Linear. I guess that just means content. Yeah. It's a fancy way of saying a show. <laughs> That's cool, though. I mean, she's a bona fide CBS TV executive.
0: And it's really not the first thing. I mean, I remember being a little surprised when Netflix was like, hey, we're going to start publishing our own series. We're going to do the lost season of Arrested Development. And there's what, Lily Hammer and something else.
1: Yeah, I remember I that. Think.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, But that made sense more to me because, you know, Netflix specializes in television series and movies. Right. It's kind of weird to think about Microsoft getting into full, I mean, they've always done little kind of casual gamer type videos, like how to use Xbox and how to get certain gamer, tough gamer score things, achievements. But this is like full-on original programming potentially, which could be really cool depending on what it is. If it's got a gamer focus, that could be pretty sweet. Or it could be yeah. really, really bad.
1: True. Yeah. Well, they've gotten a few things wrong lately. Yeah. Um, so we'll <laughs> we'll have to see how they do. But it is interesting. All right. I I wish them luck. You know the the new interface for the Xbox I could do without, but. but maybe this is a maybe maybe this executive will be like wow i can't actually see anything on the screen cuz there's all this other shit and they'll be like oh <laughs> that's valuable um advertising that we're we are using to grab our users attention and she'll be like no they actually want to see what they're looking for get that crap off of there and they'll be like
0: <gasps> she's the dark one
1: and then it'll get better from there
0: I like uh, your optimism, Mark. That's
1: just a little scenario I like to I like to throw out there. <laughs> it is optimistic because face it they everybody seems to love the model of oh my god, where is the actual thing I'm looking for? Everything I see is some kind of ad trying to mislead me into clicking here. So <laughs> it would be nice. Like when you're looking for shareware and you can't find what you you can't find the right download
0: button Oh, yeah, that drives me nuts. It's like the page is littered with advertisements that are like, download here, free download. Where's the actual button button?
1: It's like a virtual minefield.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that took me to Gator. Now I've got a new search engine. Oh, Oh. now I'm getting checked for an antivirus, even though I have an antivirus program running. (sighs) Anyway, so let's talk about something positive.
0: Valve, the console and hardware rumors that just won't die. No, last they, week no it was not. the launch of Big Picture, which is their attempt to, apparently that's supposed to be their way of determining if they should even get into creating hardware. Which seems contradictory to them hiring people to do hardware design and building for the last year. And there was then there was that side story about like, well, we're working on making wearable computing, something that's, you know, in your glasses or or whatever. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's this interview on Engadget with a woman named, she's a former inventor slash hacker, and now she's a Valve employee, Jerry Ellsworth. And she basically told Valve, like, hey, yeah, we've got hardware, and it's going to be going into beta next year, public beta. And they're like, well, what is this hardware team working on this? What's the main goal of this like, oh, to make Steam games more fun to play in your living room. Doesn't that say to you, like, it's a console and it's not big picture mode? And it's apparently it's not the wearable computing, because when she was asked about that, she's like, oh, that's several years off. But public beta next year for their new hardware, whatever it is. And it, it could just be a controller, or it could be a console. What do you think that it is, Mark?
1: I have no idea, but I, I know someone who knows her. Really? Yeah. No. So... Um, Bob and I, at different times, have worked with uh, this guy named Jack. And he is an inventor who has this – did I show you that weird little circuit board I had that was like the with the arcade Mm plug-in? He's the inventor of the Papilio. So she had a pinball machine that – she has like this crazy pinball machine collection. And that collection um, – one of the games she got, I think it was like Terminator or something – that machine, one of the chips was blown, and it made this cool like flange sound um, when for the uh, for the sound effects of the pinball machine. And so instead of and so they don't make that chip anymore. And so what she did is she took one of Jack's Papilio's and she re she programmed it to basically emulate it. It's an FPGA um, device, so it's a field programmable gate array. So you can basically program it to be any chip you want. It totally Um, simulates everything about it, like models the chip. And so she did that and put it back in her pinball machine. And then she's got like these videos where you can hear the sound of the pinball machine with his chip emulating or his, I'm sorry, with his um, FPGA um, emulating that the actual model of the chip that's no longer available. And it was really cool. And so this lady's like really like super smart inventor. So her, her combined with Valve is a scary, scary thought. <laughs> like <laughs> handling the hardware, and I don't. Did you see the Nintendo purse?
0: Yeah, it's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy. So yeah, so
0: pretty darn cool. I with Val six degrees has... of
1: separation, we're totally connected with Gabe Newell now.
0: No kidding, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: We need an achievement award for this one. Yeah.
0: No kidding. <laughs> Either way, I'm really excited to see what this group puts together next year because Valve has displayed a remarkable knack so far of being very clever with designing software solutions, interface solutions, and business models.
1: They so, are. Not to mention
0: great games. So what's going to be next? Who knows? But what's next in the podcast is listener feedback. Hilgie Scott sent us another quick email. And he used this little masked link. It says... Comes with 30 days free access, and then there's a link, and it says only 15 left. Kind of pricey though.
1: Now this now you have to realize this falls on the heels of me, um, you know, saying that I saw a panel at DragonCon with R- Richard Garriott, and instead of my normal snarky response, I was like, the guy's actually quite brilliant and was really imp- in- inspiring, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so this leads to eBay or Amazon. With a copy of Tabula Rasa called Richard <laughs> Garriott's Tabula Rasa, and look how oh, look the price has been dropped to one cent. This <laughs> price was four ninety nine, but now it's one cent, and there's only one left in stock. Of course, there's no servers to support it because the game's been shut down forever. <laughs> You're gonna get it, it. It did get me thinking, though. I you know, I had a lot of remorse that I only bought a normal version and didn't get the collector's edition.
0: Of Talia looks, Raza?
1: Yeah, you could get that for six eighty nine. dollars 89 oh, There's wow. only six of those.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to get so, it? So, uh, no. <laughs> I like that Helgi Scott's looking out for us, especially you, Mark, new mm, Renew- well, fan. Of a renewed fan.
1: I have seen, like, I also, um, after all that, I kind of put my money where my mouth was in a way that's, you know, cheap like myself and went to good old games. And I have like all of the Ultima collection now and all the wing commander series and private tier. So yeah, that's not uh, bad. I'll never play them, you know, cause I never seem to have the time to do anything, but I have them. So it's like kind of cool.
0: I don't know if you would never play it. I mean, let's get into what we're playing. I think you've been playing like a lot of games.
1: <laughs> I have been frenetic or something, but thanks Ilgi. And you know, if anyone would like to write us some feedback and, Talk about all the things we've covered tonight or anything we've covered previously or just tell us to never mention Dragon Con again, especially the ABC party. Um, you can re- re- write us at mail, mail at channelmassive.com or find us on Facebook or do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, thank you, He's Scott. That totally cracked me up. I Me too. <laughs> oh,
1: laughed out loud at work. It was quite good. So thank you for that. It made my day.
0: So what so, we're playing, Mark, what are we what are you playing? Because I guess I have the biggest
1: list. Okay. So, um, first off, the Black Mesa um community created mod for um where they took the Source Engine, recreated a whole bunch of assets from the original Half Life and put it in a project called Black Mesa. It is awesome. Um I started playing it. I've only made it through the um sequence where you you, you put the um sample into the crazy experimental chamber and everything goes wrong. I'm only that far. But that that includes the entire tour of Black Mesa and talking to all the scientists, and it is so well done. The voice acting is is good. Everybody thought that would be, like, the weak spot, but it's quite good, and it's really entertaining. There's, um, there's a lot of interesting things, which I don't remember if they were in the original or not, but there's, like, a play on Office Space where this guy's like, oh, those GPS reports are getting worse and worse, and the guy's, oh, about that. I'm going to need you <sighs> to... Go ahead and come in and work on the weekend. <laughs> so there's a lot of humor like that, but the graphics are great. I mean you know, we all thought it'd be vaporware, but it's actually there. Minus the levels um on the uh other dimension or whatever. Um so I've been playing that, loving it, plan to play through it. Um League of, League of Legends. Um, I've been playing that more and more and I'm really enjoying it. And, you know, it's funny that everybody that I know that plays it or has played it over the course of the game are all playing it right now. So that's kind of fun. Every (laughs) time I log in, I find a bunch of people that I know. And even if I log in and nobody that I know is on, I'm still having a lot of fun. And it's like all of a sudden I'm better at it and I don't understand if everybody (laughs) just got worse. Which seems more likely than me actually getting better <laughs> because I took a huge break, but today I played poppy and just owned everybody um i mean and and I hadn't played her for months, so I don't know what's going on with it, but I'm having a blast um, Guild Wars two launched um it is it is quite good i'm not i haven't put a lot of time into it yet, but I chose a necromancer. The only thing that's annoying is it's got this like kind of um, similar vibe as... I mean, they learned a lot of lessons from EVE Online. In fact, a lot of people say it's like... Behind the scenes, it's very similar to EVE, one server kind of thing. Um, a lot of people would say it's a lobby, which was the complaint about Guild Wars 1, but I don't think so. But anyway, <laughs> all that aside, naming is a bitch in it. Like, every conceivable name of every character I have, no matter how obscure or made up by me, is already taken. Really? So finally, wow. I finally came up with, like, oh, God, I don't remember what I named my guy, but it was something really silly, and that it finally allowed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. That's kind God. of
0: frustrating. Yeah,
1: but in, you know, the old Guild Wars, you didn't have a lot of control over how your character. looked. this one, it's got, you know, everything you would expect to make your character look exactly the way you want, including several different body styles where there's, like, thin, but then there's thin with muscles, or there's... You know, there's all these different – there's probably like ten different body styles you can choose and all kinds of ways to manipulate the face to look the way you want and color variations and hairstyles and eye colors and adjust the features. So that's pretty cool. Um, the gameplay is really fast. It's got – remember the big, huge selling point for Warhammer where the uh, oh, public quests – Realm
0: versus Realm. Oh, those, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're, they're Realm versus Realm, you know, but yeah, it's got all the bad. It's got everything Guild Wars had, a lot of the Realm versus Realm stuff that we've all kind of experienced, but the public quests are really seamless in it. Um, it doesn't feel at all um, contrived or anything, um, it's really fast paced. I play a Necromancer, and it's one of the better-done Necromancers um, that I've played. You know, I I always try that class in a game if it's available. And it's really pretty cool how they do it. And they have something that's really neat, which is where if you're, like, near death, you can switch into this, like, shade kind of version of yourself where you're just this black thing with tendrils coming out of you, and you're ethereal kind of, or ethereal, I should say. Mm -hmm. And um, you then starts stealing life from your enemies with all these skills that you have to learn in that form to get yourself back up to health to where you can switch back. Oh, that's Um, cool. Or it expires and then you're screwed if you didn't do a good enough job. But it's cool because I've never seen anything, you know, it's like a totally original take on that class. I haven't tried any of the others, although they sound like familiar classes from the original guild wars, like Mesmer and stuff. But, you know, they've done away with the monk and have like more of like a true paladin and um, anyway, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. It's fast. It's um. It's been enjoyable thus far. Uh, also, how Mech does it Ward, compare
0: to oh, Secret World? Since you no, love tol- the
1: games. totally different. It's you know, Secret World is really cerebral, and this is more just run around and kill stuff. Now I haven't done any PVP, you know, yet. Um, so maybe that'll add some level of um, complexity to it. But um, it's uh, it's just. I don't know. It reminds me more of, like, the good parts of WoW than anything else. That's not bad. And the graphics are good. The, um, you know, the art art design is really solid. Yeah. The music's decent. So it's been pretty good. MechWarrior Online, that was a surprise. I must have signed up for it at some point. That's weird. I got this announcement that what happened was they accidentally sent out a, like, information on the, the closed beta to like everyone who had ever signed up for it, not just the beta testers. And then they felt bad and they were like, you know what? We're just gonna turn you all into closed beta testers. I wow. guess probably because there's not many of us that even heard of it. <laughs> so I'm in now. I'm in the closed beta because of their S list failure or whatever. Um, and that game is pretty fun too because I always really liked the Mech Warrior series. Did you ever play any of those? They were m- mostly
0: PC. No, I didn't. Too complicated.
1: They, you know, they're not that bad compared to what we're used to nowadays. Um, in I fact, suppose. You know Red what Warcraft. I mean? It's, yeah, there's nothing like that. But, um, you know, the thing in it is has always been, um, you know, you take damage and you have, like, each area of your body takes damage. So you have armor all over. And, you, you know, like if you, somebody's targeting your arm, your arm actually gets blown off or shut down. Um, and then no no the weapons work. It's always had that kind of a detail to it. That's pretty seamless to you, but it's, you know, realistic. And then heat. So, like, if you fire all your weapons nonstop, you overheat. So you have to balance, like, how much shooting you're doing with l- weapons that cause heat, like lasers, um, versus, you know, trying to move around. So your You know, your head pivots one way and your mech turns another So you're using like your keypad to turn your mech and your head to turn your head and trying to, and you have radar and you have objectives. Well, right now it seems to be, um, maybe this is the entire vision for it. I don't remember what it's supposed to be, but when I signed up for it, it was a long time ago. But anyway, it's all PVP. So it's kind of like an an Unreal Tournament thing where it, you know, spawns two teams of players and you either have an objective that you need to hold or you're attacking each other in pure deathmatch mode. Uh, you know, but Team Deathmatch. Um, but what's crazy is the visuals on it. Um, they did something with it that's really interesting because it looks really gritty. It looks it looks like a movie pretty much.
0: Well, that's cool.
1: So, yeah, you feel like you're watching video, but you know it's being rendered real time. Um, and it's got this real gritty kind of dark quality to it. That just makes it really cool. And then they just have the motion down great for the way the mechs are walking and and the sounds are all really, really tight on it. So um, I've been playing that and enjoying it quite a bit. Um, And now as my gaming experience starts to wind down into stuff that's not so great, um, Torchlight 2 I purchased a long time ago, and I purchased it because I was going to get Torchlight 2 and also be in the Neverwinter, the you know, our, the uh, MMO or whatever or beta. And so I signed up for it for both, really. Never heard anything more about the Neverwinter beta, although I have a key for it whenever that does happen, although I can't find any info on it. Um, Torchlight 2 launched at 10 a.m. this morning Pacific time, but I never had created a Runic account, I guess, and now their server has just been under, like I think I mentioned this earlier, it's just been under assault yeah. all day. It's like a DOS or DDoS so I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing it. Like, you know, you said the reviews are great, but I'm currently locked out. And even worse, I took the Authenticator off my Battle.net account because I was redoing my phone or something. And I thought, oh, I'm going to take it off. I'm going to redo this thing on my phone and then reactivate it. And I never remembered to reactivate it. And my account got hacked again. No. And, yeah. And this time I had a killer password. Like, the first time, it was not the greatest password. This time, this was a really decent password. It it came up as high security, you know, when it tries to figure out, like, the complexity. Um, of course, you know, Battle.net allows you to type everything in uppercase um, on the server, you know, so took the case part out of it. But, um yeah, so I got hacked, and it pissed me off really bad because I was looking at some of the tower defense mods that have come out for StarCraft II the other night, and I wanted to do that again, and then, I, you know, with my account hacked, I'm like, even though I don't know when I'll ever play World of Warcraft again, I still have a, you know, a lot of affection for my characters. I have my Diablo III character, um, so I was kind of bummed. And so I was trying to get re but what happened was whoever stole it from me they also they changed my gamer tag and they changed the email address and when they changed all that it flagged something at blizzard and they said oh this looks like total you know t- somebody's totally hacking this so they shut it down and to reauthenticate, i had to go to this um screen and it, and it had a captcha on it well i shared it with noah because i didn't believe that you would ever believe what it said. <laughs> so the captcha for me was cock rings.
0: So cock rings. That's great. I just
1: love that. Not only was it funny, but it was a plural, which just <laughs> <laughs> one wasn't enough. I <laughs> got a whole collection. Of them, I got one you? for. I got one for every day of the week, man. <laughs> so. Yeah, I had to laugh at that one. Uh, or then I thought of like the Olympic rings but done with those and it became really funny. <laughs> so anyway, that was that was my battlenet experience. I uh I currently have I have retaken control. I have redone the uh my authentication token, but currently my um World of Warcraft account has been banned and my Diablo three account is shut down and my StarCraft two account is locked.
0: So, will any of um, be resolved? What happens next?
1: They say within six to twelve hours, I'll get an email from Blizzard with the results of their in- inquiry into what's going on. So I anticipate many, many minutes of customer support hold time ahead of me <laughs> in my future. <laughs> that doesn't seem pleasant at all. And that pretty well
0: sums up my weekend gaming. It was a real downer spiral. Yeah,
1: it started out so well. The highs and the lows of my week in gaming. <laughs> what about you? Anything better than that to report?
0: Yeah, my gaming time still a little bit limited, but I've been juggling a couple different games. First of all, Resident Evil Revelations on the 3DS, which is really great. It's, it's a great way to keep me pumped and build up excitement for Resident Evil 6, which comes out in a couple weeks. And it's basically a full-fledged console, Resident Evil game, on a handheld, except in 3D. And it's it's set on a boat, and all of the zombies and monsters are, they're kind of like a, a, a mix between the Silent Hill monsters, which are really gross, faceless, disgusting, fleshy things, uh, mixed with, like, oceanic elements. Like, uh, oh, wow. it's just very crustacean and coral reef-like deformities to these nasty fleshy monsters so it's it's really cool wow and it's nice and episodic which is great because it's on a handheld system of course so it does the whole Alan Wake thing except it does it better than Alan Wake did where wow. there are episodes and the set, each time you load up a game even if you're in the middle of an episode it's like previously in Resident Evil Revelations. (laughs) It plays all these cool cinema scenes that kind of sum up where the story is at so far. And you're constantly jumping between different pairs of characters in totally different locales. Like one set of folks is in this Arctic, snowy, tundra area. There's some people that are... And then there's some people that are on a boat. And it's it's really cool. So it's very well done. I don't know if I'll finish it before Resident Evil 6, but I'm definitely enjoying my time playing that game. And like Mark... Ever since Dragon Con, I've definitely gotten back into League of Legends. I'm back to reading the website all the time, reading the forums.
1: Did you like the music thing I sent?
0: Yeah, there's this great behind-the-scenes thing on the music. League of Legends initially had what, like two songs?
1: Two. Yeah, the first one was really good, though. The like the drum one.
0: Yes, it was the like title screen, Galactica esque. Yeah, and collecting a character. So cool! I missed that. Actually, now that you mention it. And then there's like a login screen song, and then there's the main music that plays during Twisted Tree Line and Summoner's Rift, and then I guess Dominion has its own song. And they'll change those songs out, at least the loading screen and the hero selection screen, with each season. And we're currently in the second season, even though the game's like, what, four or five years old now. Right. Uh, But yeah, that feature was so cool, I had no idea that this composer, who's this European dude, I think, has been like bringing in real-world musicians, and actually recruiting from within the staff at Riot. They've got such a cool startup vibe there. I still think they even do now.
1: Oh, I would love to work
0: there. It seems like such a cool place. But the game also, like Mark said, remains great. I, I had some rough first games back in at, at Dragon Con where I'm like, I forgot some really basic things to buy, and I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. But it comes back to you pretty quickly, and I'm back to getting first place in all my Dominion games. Even if I lose because somebody drops or someone goes AFK, which drives me insane, but I still going, I still keep going back for it because it's just so much fun.
1: Yeah, Noah is really good, by the way. <laughs> so it's cool that you got back into it and are destroying people.
0: Thank you. Hey, yeah,
1: we should go see that Resident Evil movie.
0: Is That's, that still? Yeah, it just came out last week.
1: Yeah, Dread Dread is out too.
0: That it's gotten really good reviews.
1: Oh, really? No, that yeah, I didn't expect.
0: Perfect transition to our general geekery. So, Mark and I, we we found out, and this is funny because I think it was like after the second or third movie came out, that we actually both like the Resident Evil movies. They're yeah. fun and entertaining. The we're, the only, we're the only
1: two people in America that <laughs> like it, but we do.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so we've been talking about wanting to see the newest Resident Evil movie. I really want to see it. So, yeah, let's figure that out. And then man, man. 3D comes out this weekend. A, a remake or at least a reimagining of Judge Dredd that I never saw coming cuz the last movie with, Stallone, with it's, Stallone it's just cheesy all that I really remember was there was a futuristic Taco Bell in it and for during the summer that the movie was out Taco Bell changed its logo to the Judge Dredd version of its logo and yeah it's cheesy but apparently this is really really good it's gotten it's like over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes which yeah, is that's shocking
1: incredible. it might actually be awesome because Judge Dredd was a cool graphic novel slash comic book. Well, it was a comic book series, and they made novels out of it. But it was just so cool. It was like it was like a, you know, it kind of took. It was never in Heavy Metal magazine that I know of, but it took like everything from that, like all the crazy pulp sci-fi and you know, just the crazy over-the-top graphics and the whole '70s thing, and it, it combined it into this just crazy vision of the future with, yeah. you know, police who were judge, jury and executioner and, you know, good cops and bad cops and lawlessness and mutants. And and it put it all together into a really cool setting with a, I think it had kind of an English, um, I think it was an English series. I can't remember, but it had a, something different from what I was used to. And so for me, it was like, it was really awesome as a kid to read that stuff. Then I felt like I shouldn't be reading it because it was a little edgy, but it was, you know, Mm -hmm. it was something really special to me. And then, you know, Stallone made the cheese version, which I had to watch, but, you know, I only watched it once and I felt dirty. Um, But now if they can actually do something good with it, oh, it'd be so awesome.
0: Yeah, apparently it is very good, which is surprising because it's being released after the summer. I mean, the studio seemed to have implicitly acknowledged this is not a blockbuster movie. It's not that great. We're not going to release it during the big movie time.
1: We're not sure this will work.
0: I mean, the worst the worst place it could have been released was like January or February. But September, late September, it's like, eh, yeah, they're not really behind this. But it's actually good. So that might be another movie that we need to see. And speaking of movies that I'm really excited about, a new Hobbit trailer came out just the other day. And holy cow, I, after I watched it, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Mark. no. Oh, uh, it's it's really good. It's well, it's much seen, more of a.
1: I've seen a couple of them, but I don't think I've seen the latest.
0: Well, it doesn't have the dwarves singing over it. Oh, okay. A bunch of, like, still scenes. It's actually more of a story, traditional movie type trailer. And I have to confess, it's like after I watched it, I'm like, sure, make it into a trilogy. I don't care. This looks so freaking awesome. <laughs>
1: I don't care. You've got you had me at Hobbit.
0: Yeah, it looks so good. I can't wait it. And so there's some friends of mine at my work who are really into it, and I immediately sent them the link. I'm like, yeah, look at the trailer. Watch the trailer. And they're like, when does it come out? I'm like, December. How do you not know this?
1: It's so weird because it's this weird combination of, like, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien's writing and the sensibility of – what's it, the director, um, J- Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson, Yeah. like how he can make it happen. And like when I just when, when you start The Lord of the Rings and it starts with that music and it shows those icy peaks, like I want to go back there so badly. I want to oh, go yeah. back to that. And it, and if there's three Hobbit movies, then I'm totally down with it. Um, <laughs> Me I, will, too. I will love every second of it. I can't imagine how that's going to work. But some of the things they've showed in those trailers I've seen, like where the the wizards are in their council, and they're talking about the the um, tombs of the uh, Nine are open inexplicably and stuff. I'm like, I don't remember that from the book. So apparently there's some extra stuff going on. Exactly, um, yeah. But, yeah, man, that and – and then you'll be able to slap the two together and have, like, six movies that are going to be just, you know, incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, what I had wished that Star Wars was going to be, right?
1: Right. Which it will never be. Um, but you know, yeah, pretty exciting. In other board game, speaking of such things as high fantasy, uh, we recently had a board game, uh, session at Jason's house, which some of you may remember as our, our occasional podcaster, the once in future podcaster. <laughs> and, um, He hosted and we had Jim, we pulled him out of his mothball (laughs) triagenic suspension status. You
0: always remember that, it's great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and Noah couldn't make it, which really was a downer because we really needed him. And so I will now say that if Jason ever brags on the podcast about being good at board gaming, it's bullshit because he was a total puss. And uh, I'm just going to (laughs) throw down the gauntlet now and say that uh, I could pretty much own him any time at board games because he tried to attack me by sea. I was the Starks, the noble Starks. We were playing Game of Thrones, the board game, which is my game, and I had never read the rules. It took us an hour and a half to read the rules, and then there were several interruptions as we got through our first iteration of every activity the game provided. Um, like, oh, how does that work? Oh, God, that's painful. Anyway, he tried to attack me by sea, and Ned Stark happened to be on the boat and just totally wreaked havoc. And after that, he just became a turtle. We call it the Rasmussen strategy, Noah and I, (laughs) where you just build up your base. Uh, Starcraft is where we've seen it demonstrated the most, and you don't ever leave it again. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of what he did. And meanwhile, um, Jim had the Lannisters, um, and so so, um, Jason was the Baratheon, so he had Dragon Isle. And, um, Jim was lucky enough to get the Lannisters and without fighting a war on multiple fronts, the Lannisters just have too many resources. And so I fought a losing battle for the entire game, continually trying to get Jason to engage in some way, but he pushed out. So I'll just say right now, total puss at board games. <laughs> Look to make him your bitch at the gaming session at your house soon, Noah. <laughs> Maybe we that. can trade him for cigarettes. I don't know. We'll
0: figure it <laughs> <that>. out. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> All right. So the reason that I wasn't at that board game session was because I was having, I had a simultaneously scheduled role-playing game session, my White Wolf Changeling game, the third session. And I call this the session of the journal because my first two sessions, let's see, Let me just recap what the scenario is. There's one guy who is the DM and he's DM'd this game before in another state with some friends of his. So he's very experienced with it and he was really excited to start it up. And then there's three players, including me. And the other two people have played role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons and everything else under the sun, for probably like 15 years. So they've got a lot of time together and have a routine, and they bust out, like, one of them bust out a Trapper Keeper, and the other one busted out, like, a one of those blank journal book things, and they just were taking notes. So you were guys,
1: you're basically scrapbooking?
0: You, you'd, you'd think so, but no, they were just taking notes. I mean, they had their character sheets, too, but they were just writing everything down, and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? I'm just sitting there watching them. I'm, I'm just playing around with my dice idly, thinking, I'm like, I've never played a game where everybody else is taking notes while I just sit here because the other games that I've played, the DM would usually write up a summary afterwards and I, and that was sufficient. And it's not like I was relying upon. I mean, I don't care even if the DM does that or not, because usually you remember if you play often enough, you'll remember all the highlights. And so in the car ride back from the second session, I finally brought it up because it was kind of weird. I'm like, I think it's really interesting that you guys, and by
1: interesting, I mean perverse.
0: <laughs> Which yeah, if you're gonna feel, be defensive about it, like the dude was, because there's a dude and a girl. It, that's what you, you could you could interpret it many ways in a negative fashion. And he's like, well, he's like, I'm kind of surprised that you don't take notes. He's like, he's like, you know, you must have a really good memory. He's like, I know that. I, like, there's no, in the games that I de- that I DM because the dude, I, this extra dude that's a player, he also does a lot of DMing too. He's like. I'll bring up like a story detail that won't come up again for like another 40 sessions down the line. and people don't remember it, that's a major part and part of the important part of the story. So if you've got a great memory and you can remember all that, that's great. He's like, I know that I can. And I'm like, wow, geez. Okay. So I decided to bring a journal to this one because in this game, the DM is not sending out any session, any summaries of the story. And so, and he, yet his story is hyper detailed. There's so many characters and there's, I mean, aside from learning a whole different gameplay system, because I haven't played a White Wolf game before as compared to, like, 3.5 and 4.0 D&D roles. It, it just, like, keeping track of all the details, which are fascinating, but it's like, ah, whatever, you know, I'll get fine, get by fine. So I got a little book, and I taunted them about it. Look, I got a book. I'm going to take notes. And I have to officially say after taking notes over through session, I actually really like it. Hmm. On one part I think it's cool because it's gonna make a really Join awesome us. It's gonna make an awesome memento of the game that I can go back two years from now and like read my notes of oh, some cool. crazy ass game that I played. And I I haven't yet committed to the full thing of this because the DM's like and if you go and then rewrite your notes in a diary format from your character's point of view, you can get extra experience points. I'm like, well, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that level of commitment. Although I I did start putting in some personalization, some characterization of my characters' reactions to things that were going on in my journal. And it's like, it's kind of cool. It's like, wow, this is neat. It's like this interactive diary thing. The, the, The risk that I run, though, is that I don't know how you were about taking notes in college, Mark, but I try to be really comprehensive. And sometimes I get too caught up writing every single thing down that I can that I'm not really like engaging in the game. Like, oh, i got to write this note, and then i got to write this note. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I have to find the, the fine line. But I ended up taking like 10 pages of notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, mine's a happy medium. I I, I figured out long ago that – well, I have the worst handwriting ever, and actually handwriting – writing notes by hand for me is painful. Not physically painful, but it's horrible to watch, horrible to read, and it just doesn't seem natural. Um, and so, um, when I was like in college, I would just do like bullet points, like, you know, cause I, I just couldn't, I couldn't write a sentence fast enough to keep up. Yeah. So, um, for me, it's more like just reminders, you know? Um, and usually once I write it down, I remember it so much better. Like I don't ever, it's not that I ever need to look at the notes again. It's because I wrote it down. I <laughs> made some kind of a connection and it's there, you know, are you the same?
0: Yeah, that's actually yeah. how I felt when I was taking notes during the session. It's like I was starting to keep track of stuff. And then my teammates would bring up stuff that I hadn't written down in the previous se- sessions. I'm like, oh, yeah, crap, I need to make a note of that. And so <clears> it really kind of cool. It was helping me remember things. And I just felt a lot more engaged in the story for some reason and engaged in the game. And the game session was awesome. It was six hours. It was a true classic wow. night Role playing session. We ordered pizza. There was like Coke and chips and all this junk food.
1: Oh, that is classic.
0: To midnight.
1: Were you yeah. in a basement? That's that's kind <laughs> of. <gotta, yeah. laughs>
0: that would have been the the perfect setting. We were we were actually upstairs versus being. Oh upstairs. yeah. But oh man, it was just really fun. We finally had. It was our third session. It was the first time that we actually had a combat. So oh, wow. I'm not sure if that's common for White Wolf games or not, but there's just so much more interaction and talking than a traditional D&D game where it's like, all right, you've got a dungeon, you've got a quest, you've got a mission, and now you're going to kill some stuff, and then you're going to get the thing at the end of the dungeon. This game is a a lot different from that. That's the combat, I definitely like D&Ds a little bit better because D&D is all about roll a dice to find out if you successfully connect, and I roll a dice to see how much damage you did. Whereas Wolf it's like it's only D10s for one thing. And then, so like my character fires a gun, so I have to roll... The number of dots I've put into firearms, and then the number of dots I've put into like dexterity or something, which adds up to like five. So I roll five d tens, and any one of them that's above an eight counts as a success. But that, <clears throat> what does that mean? I mean, one success versus five successes—it's all up to the DM's discretion. Yeah. So, like I just tell him, like, well, I had three successes, and then I just have to wait him for him to say, well this happened and it's just feels <laughs> its like why am I even rolling dice at all right yeah like, it's too arbitrary yeah and maybe there are mechanics behind it that I don't know about because you know I this is my first time playing the system and I don't know what the GM or DM rules are for it but it, it just seems a little bit more arbitrary than the very hard numbers in these built on but that said I still freaking love it so it's great and then this up. Ep- Two weeks away, I go back to my other, my true D&D adventure with uh, Dan. And so I'll have another update for that. So I'm looking forward to that. So those, those are my D&D stories.
1: Well, that's cool, man. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing. Those are always entertaining, especially when you, like, run amok when you're covering for someone. <laughs> and they expect you to just play it normal and then you, like, thwart everyone. Yes. Well, another crazy general geekery, and I just ha- I just have to mention this because it's just so crazy. Have you tried that new Mountain Dew that came out, the Johnson City Gold Vintage?
0: No, I've not even heard of it. What is it?
1: Um, let's see. I'll put i uh, I'll put a picture in so you can see it. It's this new Mountain Dew that's like malt flavored.
0: Oh, that's
1: but not like a chocolate malt or anything. It's just. I don't know. It's so hard to describe it. Um, it's all
0: old school. Major Mountain Dew aficionado. I love Mountain Dew and I usually try pretty much every flavor of it as well. Yeah. So this is called Johnson city gold.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really weird. So the first thing about it is it's a malt beverage without alcohol. So, um, you know, I always joke that, you know, Noah's a sucker for malt liquor. Um, (laughs) This is entertaining because you open the can and before you drink it, if you smell it, it's like it has these subtle hints of Colt 45 or or um, Old English 800, you know, any kind of malt liquor that, that you've ever had. Then you drink it and it tastes like some crazy variation of Mountain Dew. It is just the weirdest thing I have ever seen it in my life. Tried. Yeah, I've had two of them so far.
0: Oh my gosh! I have to find this. Where'd you get them at? Seven
1: uh, Eleven. Wow.
0: And it's yeah. in a funky shaped can too.
1: Oh yeah, it's like the size of an energy drink. It's this like extra big can. Um, it's all old school. The label's all old school. It's just really weird. I can't. I can't. I still can't say if I like it. I didn't dislike it. That's for sure. I did not. There was nothing about it that I didn't like, except the smell made me feel like I should be getting drunk. But um. Yeah, it's just really weird. So, um, it will be available in Denver, Colorado, and Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: Well, you want to know something funny? It's funny that you bring this up because today, for the first time, I had apple flavored soda. Oh it's, wow! It's a I think it's a Mexican brand. It's like Mazit, Maz Malzanos, Mazen, I don't know what. <laughs> I've, oh, I if the... You saw the logo, you would recognize it. It's not one that a regular drink, but mal mal Soul or something like that it's something soul, sun um in english yes, but so it was well. apple flavored i'm like that sounds like it could be kind of gross but it's really good it's very nice and crisp you know it's crisp like kind of like sprite or seven up but it's apple oh wow and uh it's really good so yeah i definitely if you want if you're in this like experimental soda kick mark right. you should try out this yeah Apple soda. <laughs> Let me uh, use the power of the internet to tell you exactly what it's called. Oh yeah, manzan manzanita manzanita soul. So yeah, apple soda. Really good. It's you think it might be potentially healthy. It's not. It doesn't have caffeine, but it still has the same amount of calories as like a can of Mountain Dew. But it just tastes really nice. It's not super heavy, heavy sugary with the syrup. So. Oh, wow. I'll have to try your malt Mountain Dew, and you can try. Yeah, I'll Anthony give it a the shot.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, because
0: last is the sodas stuff. are important to gaming.
1: Well, it is, you know. I mean, it's it's like, really, what gamer do you know that doesn't consume way too much Mountain Dew? I mean, yeah. at some point, right? Yeah. Um, last thing we have for general geekery is just I finished a book series that I just I've raved about it before, and I have to just actually I haven't finished <laughs> it. I've I've finished half of it. It's like a two-part, four-part series. (laughs) It's it's a four-part series split into two halves, I guess. So um, it's called um, The Hyperion Cantus by Dan Simmons. And uh, I had tried reading it years and years ago when it first came out. And I just could, for the life of me, not get into it. I wanted to get into it, and it just didn't work for me. Um, but it came out in like 89 originally, the first one, and then, um, has continued until the last one, um, came out, uh, I think, I kinda think if it was in the late 90s. Anyway, um, the writer is really good. The story is just so visionary and so out there that it reminds me of like Frank Herbert's Dune. Um, but. Some of it is even kind of beyond that. It's just really wild and crazy. Um, Deals with time travel, paradox, artificial intelligence. Um, Gosh, you know, there's nothing I can do to really sell it except to just say, trust me, it's worth it. Give it a read. At least read the first book, Hyperion. And and see if you like the idea of, of some kind of grim figure standing on a hill that's made out of what looks to be bone and chrome, with razor sharp scalpels and blades all over it, that with like ruby eyes that glow.
0: That's kind really of creepy.
1: That's kind of like the creepy figure in the book.
0: It's on um, the covers of all of them too.
1: Yeah, it's called the Shrike, which is named after a bird that impales insects on um, things that it, uh, thorns. So um, it's it's just crazy. But the guy has. So and when I was, I was at, one last time, at Dragon Con, Brandon Sanderson talked about how the really great authors, and he did not include himself in this, and Brandon Sanderson, by the way, is the guy that took over the wheel of time for Robert Jordan. I said, what's dif- the difference between you and Robert Jordan? And he said, well, Robert Jordan had a sense of, like, prose, and I just kind of tell the story with imagery and stuff, but he actually had you know, like, like a higher level of writing, if you will. Well, this guy's got that too. He's one of the greats of science fiction. Um, you know, the book won like the Hugo and Locus awards and stuff. Uh, It was really, really well written, but it's not listed in, you know, the top 10 science fiction novels or anything like that, which, you know, belongs to like Heinlein and Asimov and all those guys. But it is awesomely written, um, the stories are good. I think I've mentioned in a previous podcast that the first book has kind of a variation on on a theme of Chaucer's Canterbury Tales where it's like seven travelers recounting their stories. You mm-hmm. know. Um anyway, just really good experience for me. I really enjoyed it. it. Got me hyped up for I listened to it as I commute to and from work. So it'd get me hyped up to go to work and get me hyped up coming back from work as I listened to it. So I have two more books to go in the series, but I've gotten halfway through, and it was just awesome. And uh, yeah, just wanted to recommend it.
0: That's cool. My grandparents got me one or two of these books back when I was a kid. They got me this, these ones, and they got me the Rama books, and they oh, were rendezvous both, with Rama. Yeah, they were both far beyond my capacity at that age, but now maybe yeah. I can.
1: You know, Rendezvous with Rama was tough. Um, I had a video game at the time for, like, the Commodore 64 called Rendezvous with Rama that um, I couldn't get through that either. It was like a text adventure, like a Zork-type game. Oh, yeah. And so then I got the book, Rendezvous with Rama, and was like, oh, no wonder. I can't even get through the book that goes with the game. I've read them since, you know, as an adult or young adult, but at that young age, they're tough. But if you do you so do you actually have these books somewhere or are they I, lost? Or are they lost in some garage
0: sale? They are stuck in some box somewhere, I'm sure, that I, I haven't know. dug through in a long time. Yeah. But fortunately I got a Kindle.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> Maybe I can just reacquire them digitally yeah. and do that. I've yeah. been reading a really awesome book speaking of Kindle called Wool. And it's also a sci-fi story, but it's it's kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey in that it's mm-hmm. written by somebody who's like, yeah, I'm just going to digitally publish my thing. I don't actually have any um, contract with an actual formal publisher, but I'll just throw my little digital book out here on to Amazon. And it's become incredibly popular, and I think it's actually going to get published as a real book. Oh, but- wow. I have just been tearing through it. It is such a cool, cool story and so well-written. It's so encouraging and exciting to see people out there who are so incredibly gifted and talented at writing, but they haven't been able to get a break, and this media has been able to allow them to actually get their foot in the door. So it's called Wool, and it's by Hugh Howey with a horribly huh. related name.
1: <laughs> Hugh Howey.
0: And I think I'm actually in the – I. Bought the Wool Omnibus is what it's called, I guess, which is uh, it was the first five parts of this book. So it's like this massive novel that's going to have a sixth part published pretty soon, I think. Um, But it's about a post-apocalyptic future where just a sliver of humanity is left and it lives in this silo that's dug deep, deep, deep underground. So there's like a little tiny roof that sticks out top and then it goes down like over 100 levels. And society has been built around this silo and nobody can go out because the air is just toxic and oh, the wow. sky is brown. You can't even see the blues. You can't see a blue sky anymore, just brown and gray clouds. And you can see the ruins of a city off in the distance. And if you go on the very top level of the silo, there are TV screens everywhere that show surveillance camera views of the outside world. And that's all that everybody really lives for is like, wow, that's kind of cool. And if you get punished, If you say anything about wanting to go outside or that things might be better outside, you get kicked out to die. And they give you a suit that allow you to go out there and you'll live for about five or 10 minutes and you're given some steel wool to clean all the dust and dirt that's accumulated on the surveillance cameras so that everybody else who's left in the silo can get a good view. (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) But it's just this really cool sci-fi action thriller type thing where, And the villains, oh my gosh, Mark, especially you have to read it for the villains because I don't, I haven't read enough books to have seen this happen before. So it's really novel to me, but the villains in the book hit close to home. (laughs) I guess I'll just put it that way. So, yeah, and it's just, it almost makes me laugh just to think of who the villains are. But yeah, you have to check it out. It's really, really cool.
1: No, I'll check that out for sure.
0: All right. That's the end of our mm-hmm. general geekery. We We've given each ourselves. other reading assignments. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now we're finally going to get to all the big news that's happened with Bioware, first and foremost. The doctors have retired.
1: Yeah. Who, thought, who saw that one coming?
0: It's really a shame. And the immediate knee-jerk reaction from the snark world of snark out there is like, Thanks, Victor and Archie, totally fucked up and destroyed another company yet again. You bought them and you destroyed them. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but the they founded the company, Do- Dr. Greg Zeschuk and Dr. Ray Musica, Canadians, founded Bioware back in 95. And now they're like, you know what? We are getting completely out of the games industry. We're not only leaving Bioware, we're not starting up some little extra studio on the side, which seems to always be the story. Like one dude's getting into like craft beers and the yeah. other dude's just like taking a vacation and they're like, and one dude's like, which one is it? I think it's uh, Musica. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He said, he's like, yeah, I'm totally out. I'm just going to play the games. I look forward to more Bioware games, and I want to play them as a fan. But I have nothing more to do with video games whatsoever. And the other dude's like, well, I might come back but I'm going to work on the Beer Diaries, is what he's calling it, where I interview <laughs> notable brewers and showcase their beers. If things go well, I'll work on other beer-related shows, apps, and projects. If not, I'll have drunk a lot of tasty beers, maybe back in games or even something else completely different. So he slightly leaves the door open, Zeshik. Yeah, definitely. But Musica's like, I'm done. He's like, It was it was brutal. He's like, I've reached an unexpected point. Actually, this is Zeshik, too. Uh, Zeshik said, I've reached an unexpected point in my life where I no longer have the passion that I once did for the company, for the games, and for the challenge of creation. It's just like, wow. Yeah, that you guys one, are known for some of the best hard. games ever. and You have such a great culture. And that I can see where people might interpret from a quote like that that, well, it's because EA sucked them their soul out and said you need to make a sequel every freaking year and you need to put multiplayer in all your games. But,
1: wow. <laughs> yeah you got to put multiplayer in your games. How can you have a game without multiplayer? <laughs> just, uh, just not compute. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, we talked about that last week. That yeah. I think it was Activision or somebody said, like, there's never going to be another single-player game. Again. I actually think it was EA. Yeah. So, yeah. gone. But apparently the company is well set up to continue the Bioware tradition of making great games. What do you think, Mark?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty crazy departure for both of them to go to, so, you know, it was like really funny in the article how they, every other line was, but everything is going to be the same and okay and good. But it's like, if you had, I don't know if you have a franchise, you know, created by two people. So hypothetically like a game company. And then those two people, you know, kind of change the way story is told in games, and then those two people leave, do you really expect everything to to just, you know, keep going exactly as it was, or are there going to be changes, or they, you know, especially owned by EA, and I, I, I hate to say that and agree with people who are like, you know, EA is evil, but they do tend to fuck shit up. So, yeah. to put it in a, you know, very profound and you know, well, well said kind of way. They fuck shit up bad. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm kind of bummed to see it happen. I, I think, I think a lot of the integrity came from those guys for the company. Yeah. And so when they leave, you know, they, obviously they have great writers, they have great game developers, designers. So those people are all there and in place um but you would assume the cultural change you know who knows did they i i didn't in the article they never mentioned like anyone specifically that's in the company that you know they're looking to take the reins or anything like that it was just more like
0: yeah that was kind of so a big question mark
1: so going to go party so i you know i don't know you know what 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 happens who 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 takes over how does it go from here you know do their corporate overlords sees the sees the reins and come in and, you know, somebody from corporate comes in and takes over and says, okay, now I don't know what your crazy little idea is, but I can tell you right now we need more of that multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
0: remember Bioware was, it, subs- it consumed or subsumed whatever it is, uh, Mythic. Right. And it's like, what does this mean for Mythic? It's just like Mythic's almost evaporated, I feel like, since that happened. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, what did exactly happen there? I don't know. Maybe
0: I just don't recall, but we'll find out what the impact is of of the Doctor's departure very soon, because the next Dragon Age was officially announced, and it's coming out next year. Right. Dragon Age 3, Inquisition.
1: And what do you think of that?
0: Well, it apparently is going to have co-op throughout the whole story which could be cool. That's true. I don't know. I haven't played the first two Dragon Age games yet but that's supposed to be a major feature of the third game is you can play it single player or you can play it in some kind of co-op fashion whether that's strictly online or in person unclear. There's no clarification of whether it's going to be more some more similar to Dragon Age Two or Dragon Age One or be its own animal, but what we do know is that's going to be built on Dice's Frostbite Two engine, which was used for oh, Age like three.
1: That's a pretty engine. I mean, well, Just if you like stuff. gritty realism, it, it's it's a great, a great engine. So <sighs> I don't know. I I think they're the engine they were using for Dragon Age One and Two, and um, it was. It wasn't the best. I mean, the 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 game was the games were both so good in every other aspect, but the sometimes the visuals were like, man, you know, I can tell they're trying really hard and they have the right art direction, but the engine is holding them back. So, and not so much in Dragon Age Two, but Dragon Age One certainly. This could be really cool for them as long as they have all the other qualities that they've they've had in the previous games.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then beyond that, more Mass Effect news was released as well. This was actually timed in sync with the doctor's departure, probably as damage control. Another single player DLC pack called Omega, which is going to tie into that location in the game, which was completely avoided, I think in the third game, but it was a major, major hub in the second game. So I'm really excited to see some DLC coming up for that location for Mass Effect 3. And then on top of that, Casey Hudson, who is currently the official executive producer of Mass Effect and who a lot of fanboys blame for Mass Effect's horrific ending. At least it's horrific in their opinion. I didn't think it was awful. Um, he's working on a new Mass Effect game called... well, and We don't know if it's going to be Mass Effect 4... Or if it's gonna be something with a totally different in a totally different genre or something it's just that there's they emphasize that there's just so much to work with in the mass effect universe that it's easy for them to make another game, but there's no uh, specifications on what platforms this game will come on. I think even Dragon Age Three there's no platforms confirmed for that either oh, so wow. We're definitely in the whole transitional console generation phase where these games could be getting made for the next Xbox and PlayStation, PC, I don't know. Right. But, and then on top of that, Hudson is working with the team on building a brand new game and a brand new fictional universe. That's not Mass Effect, it's not Dragon Age, Star Wars, none of that.
1: That sounds pretty interesting, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued because what what could they do? Right, futuristic, fantasy, sci-fi, realistic. What would you like to see them do, Mark?
1: Um, I'd like to see it. A, a, well, I would really like more fantasy stuff. So, yeah, that would be a di- something like comparable to the Dragon Age setting, but like their own, you know, a different take on fantasy would be awesome.
0: I would like them to do urban fantasy. Oh, where,
1: like Cyberpunk kinda thing or
0: no. Urban. More like Dresden Files where you know it's like it's, oh, yeah, stuff, but yeah. it's got magic and stuff. And I I guess Harry Potter could be classified as children's urban fantasy but it's it's more fantastical, it's not as said as much in the real world. But yeah, a mix of modern real day world real world stuff with fantasy. I, I, secret world, I guess could you could call urban fantasy as well. I'd like to see him do something like that. Cyberpunk would also be cool, but we already know that uh, CD Projekt Red is working on a new Cyberpunk RPG, and I'm sure it will be kick-ass. So I'd like to see BioWare take on a different slot. Maybe they'll do something like Joss Whedon style, make a Serendi, make like a Western sci-fi thing. That'd be kind of funky. Merge some genres together. Yeah. Versus something purely sci-fi or purely fantasy. I'd like something like that, something fresh.
1: Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool too. Well, if what what would you like to Well, you haven't played Dragon Age, right? So
0: Yeah. Guess, but I'm sure you have an opinion about what you think Inquisition could be about or where you think it could be, how you think it could be better.
1: Yeah, I don't know, you know. So Dragon Age 1 was so epic in scope. Um, you know, you just felt like you had a whole world that was out there. Whereas Dragon Age 2 was kind of confined to a city. Was done really really well also, and so you know when we had a last time Jason was over for a podcast we were getting into it over that because he was like Dragon Age Two sucked, and and I was like no so Yeah, that was,
0: was the the lost episode that listeners yeah to me that thank year. God
1: it was lost because I was I didn't like that episode but <laughs> um but yeah I was like it didn't suck it was just different you know you can't have epic every time you know you can't I I don't think so Dragon Age One you got to go across know big parts of the world and you know be involved in these epic events and dragon age 2 was different because it was more about a city so for dragon age 3 i'd like to see it go back to that that scope of you know crossing seas and continents and
0: yeah a true rpg maybe feel. even
1: hitting another dimension or something like that would be really cool i'd like to see it with the new you know that new engine that they that they're going to be using um Looks just so pretty. Um,
0: How much overlap would you like in Dragon Age three with the previous games in terms of characters?
1: Well, they didn't have much overlap in um, between one and two, so I could easily see them going, um, you know, two hundred years later in Dragon (laughs) Age three, and that would be fine. Or a prequel, I don't care. You know, I'm not really connected with that um, too much. Although I really loved. I, I don't know why. My, my Dragon Age One character was awesome, but the one for two I really, really liked the way the character developed and everything. So I guess I wouldn't mind if it was a continuation from the Dragon Age two character just to see where he goes from here. Um that would be pretty cool. Um, but uh I'm not I'm not really I don't really require it. I just I'm glad that they're talking about it. Dragon Age three. And those those are both one and two are both games where there is no way in hell I I could have resisted them. They just hit for me on so many levels of things that I just have to have in a game, mm-hmm. um, you know, a fantasy and se- a fantasy setting, an epic fantasy setting, um, you know, like the whole RPG thing, everything that Bioware has when they're at the best of their game. It had all of those aspects. Both of them did, I thought, and great combat too, um, spells that actually look like they do something as opposed to like little sparks or something you know or look I can urinate in different colors or something like that it was like you know really cool epic stuff so I like that now I haven't played much of the Mass Effect series but you have and what would you like to see in this oh. you know this strange um new thing that might come out of them it can't really be a Mass Effect 4 right
0: It it could be, but it... I mean, previously, I I think it's the same producer, Casey, said that any other future Mass Effect games would have to take place before or during the events of the original Mass Effect trilogy just because the way that the trilogy ends. Although, I don't necessarily agree with that, now having seen the ending. I, I do feel like they could go further they would just have to come up with a different villain but there is so much story so much of a universe that they created for mass effect with all the different alien races and the histories and wars that those aliens went through being allies being enemies and becoming allies again that there's definitely plenty to work with if they wanted to go the prequel or side story route i'm concerned I guess that it won't be a role playing game for some reason or another just because the multiplayer mode in Mass Effect 3 was done pretty well and it's fun if if you like to play those kind of games and I just I'm leery especially with Electronic Arts multiplayer mantra involvement that they might be going down some kind of like arcade shooter type game which I wouldn't I'd still get because I just I am such a junkie for that universe now it's just like anything I can get I want to get it but I'd rather have another really cool role-playing game with a great story character development side quests and just all the exploration being able to go all over this all over the Milky Way because it's all set in the Milky Way and just go to all these different planets and land on them and see different stuff it's just Oh, that's such my sweet spot for me. I want to, I want more of that. I want more of what I've already gotten, and not necessarily uh, a squad shooter or a strategy game, which they definitely could do. So I'm hoping that right. it's another role playing game and not some kind of spin off. But I will still probably begrudgingly get it just because I'm so addicted right now. Oh yeah, and hopefully that'll be true with Dragon Age. I'm looking forward to that too.
1: Yeah. That's that's my hope as well. Really looking forward <laughs> to seeing what they come up with. Yeah. I'm sure it will be awesome.
0: And hopefully the the company has enough talent with all of its hundreds of employees that they're not that beholden to the legacy and the skill set of their founders. I mean, it's it's the same situation that Apple went through with Steve Jobs leaving in a very different fashion, of course, but by losing their main iconic genius, people have worried that Apple will lose its way, not be as innovative, won't be as transformative or revolutionary. And BioWare, I think, is going through a, a similar, will go through a similar experience because there's just a celebrity, a cult of celebrity, put around those doctors, and a lot of credit, worth a, a, a deservedly so, goes to them for the game systems that they've created and their magic formulas for making such great RPGs. But even I think if they just continue to follow the blueprints and they learn from their mistakes and everything that they've said in these recent stories about Dragon Age three and mass effect is that we are much more, we're going to provide much more transparency to our development process. We are very concerned with fan feedback and comments. We're going to be very much more receptive to that. And who knows, maybe that's why the doctors left, but (laughs) uh, they're like, we're going to definitely hear you so that we don't make a game that a majority of you believe is disappointing. Because, gosh, that still pisses me off. I was looking through comments on the Mass Effect stories. Oh, yeah. And people are like, Mass Effect is dead to me. I do not want to play another game. Oh, God. See. And she's like, come on, you freaking drama queens. Get over it. I mean, i I still totally love it. I mean, I didn't love the ending, but. There's so many great moments and storylines and everything else. And the first two games were awesome. And the third game was awesome, too. It just ended kind of crappy. But it still was a great game up to that point. And it's not all about those last 20 minutes of a game. Granted, you know, it's a story-based game. You really want the story to end up well and feel like, yeah, I truly had ownership of it. And I drove it to this point. And the games don't, the, the trilogy's ending doesn't totally deliver on that. But it's still so much fun getting there. So I'm satisfied with that.
1: Yeah, but some people just feel so entitled, especially lately. It's like, yeah. after the cupcake episode, I, I kind of gave up on people putting stuff in
0: perspective.
1: <laughs> it's a video game, not written by you. If you want to control a video game, write your own.
0: No shit, right.
1: You know? Otherwise, shut the fuck up. Or write a book. I don't know. Write a comic book. Do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're not that good at anything, just make stick figures and we'll try and figure out what the hell's going on. But you know, don't try to tell the the incredibly talented folks at Bioware how wrong they got it and exactly how you want it to end. And maybe there'll be like a DLC patch with your name on it, like here's Noah's <laughs> fucking ending from Bioware two oh one two. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. just silly. Anyway, it's always good to end the podcast on a rambling <laughs> note from Mark. Uh, buh, 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 buh. The moral we learned from this story tonight is.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't that's all we got. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, you feel as passionate about something that we talked about in this episode as, as we do. As Placing we what you think.
1: thought we did, anyway. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: At mail. M A I L. At com. Find us on Twitter. Find us on the intertubes that connect everything together um, you know find us on iTunes and leave a very passionate review which we will know by the five stars <laughs> whether, whether or not you like us um, Facebook you know we really need to get the Facebook stuff better on there but anyway you can find us there yeah but really just go to the website that's <laughs> <not sure. laughs> that's right go to our website at channelmassive.com Thank thank you so uh,
0: much for listening to us. And and we love your emails. We love to hear from you, so, Cinnamon. And we should be back.